0: Like, if men were pushing babies out of their penis, we would be having a different <laughs> conversation. It would it's be so different. True. It would so be true. different. There would be no sex for six months. <laughs> hello, 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 sister. I'm so glad you're here. You are listening to the Daily Momtra podcast, and I'm your host, Jesse True Love. As a double C section mom who found her message through her own mess of postpartum, it is my mission to help mamas like you restore function in your body and trust in your gut. I'm a huge believer that mama knows best, and my hope is that through these meaningful conversations, you find tools that resonate and help you mother the way that feels truest to you. Today's episode really hits home for me as we are really spilling the tea on birth trauma with Tila Tomasetti of the Tea on Birth Trauma on social media. Tila Tomasetti is a registered provisional psychologist and doctoral candidate in Alberta, Canada, who specializes in the area of birth trauma. Prior to this, Tila has been a therapist for two decades, supporting survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, childhood sexual abuse, and tragic losses. After suffering her own birth trauma by way of midwifery violence and excessive hemorrhage, almost taking her life in 2021, Tila decided to start the fast-growing Instagram account, The T on Birth Trauma, where she breaks the silence and supports thousands of survivors in finding their voices. We had so much to chat about that we're already planning another episode together. I really think this is going to be a community favorite, and with that said, let's dive into the show. Okay, Tila, I'm so excited to have you on the Daily Mantra podcast to talk about something that I am so, so passionate about, and that is birth trauma. And I know I I can speak about it on my own experience until I'm blue in the face. But having somebody like you that has so much beautiful and digestible content on your Instagram for this very real, sometimes dark, hard to navigate topic, you you really break it down. You're like, oh my gosh, that's how I really feel. That's what I felt when I saw your page. I was like, you literally put to words all the feelings that have no words that, and that can be so helpful. And so healing just in itself to see that, okay, there's actually, here's eight slides that I can read on this one thing that I was feeling. I didn't know how to verbalize it. And that's why I wanted so badly to have you here. Um, and, I know that you've got such a diverse background in helping people with trauma of all kinds. So I would love if you could just introduce yourself, tell me a little bit about about your experience and how you got into this niche of birth trauma support because it is a beautiful thing that you're doing on social media now and in and in real life and in-person.
1: I see, you're too kind. Thank you so much first of all for having me on and uh, yeah you and I joke a lot that it took a while to get here but uh, we've both been really excited for it. It was just a matter of when I knew that with you. Um, Yeah my name is Tila and I am a registered provisional psychologist here in Alberta, Canada. I'm originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada and moved to Alberta just a few years ago right before COVID. (laughs) So I feel like I'm still getting to know this province. I'm also a doctoral student and I'm actually in the middle of my comprehensive exam and about to start Start my doctoral project that will, in fact, focus on birth trauma specifically. And if you want, I can share something at the end a little bit, because nobody knows yet what the topic is on. And so maybe I can share that with you, Jesse. Give uh, us so the I, tea. Yes, I'll spell the, the tea. Spelling the tea. So as you shared, I have quite a diverse background. I've been a trauma therapist now for almost two decades. And um, so that was like sexual assault, domestic violence, tragic losses, things like that. That's where I started my career. And then uh, a couple years ago, I'd say actually it was about five years ago now, I was sitting across from my best friend and she had just given birth, a first time mom, and I went to go visit her and baby and she was not doing well. And I could immediately tell that. And but because I I didn't have too, too many friends with babies, I wasn't sure exactly how that should look. Um, But, you know, doing what I do for a living, I thought to ask her, like, are you okay? Like, how was how was your birth experience? And um, she broke down crying and talked to me about the intensity surrounding that And how it did not at all go the way that she had planned, but that it was even beyond that, that she was left with what to me sounded like trauma symptoms of like not being able to sleep and not because of baby, but because of like nightmares or flashbacks Mm -hmm. um, that she was really struggling with like intrusive thoughts around that and feeling like she had failed at, at giving birth. And so I said to her, um, like throughout, it was quite a lengthy discussion together. And she was just saying, I feel like a lot of other women go through this, but that they don't talk about it. And I was like, "Why why aren't they talking about this? Like, this is really important stuff. And so after leaving her, I actually started to do my own little research on this and looked into it and discovered this thing called birth trauma. And I was like, so I actually reached back out to her. This was five years ago. And I said, you know what, Christina, I'm going to dedicate my doctoral project to you. One day I want to do my doctorate and I'm going to do this on birth trauma. I'm going to figure out like why, won't, why we don't talk about this and kind of try and shed light on this. And um, so I made that promise to her five years ago and, um, and then I got pregnant and kind of forgot about it, if I'm being honest, like, um, and she knows this, like, I kind of put that in, in the back of my head. And even though I started my doctorate, actually, the month I got pregnant, <laughs> really yeah. great timing. Yeah, super, super cool timing. Um I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do birth trauma, like it was still in the back of my head, but I was also thinking things tied to social media, like I really wanted to know the impact that social media has on mental health. And so those two ideas were kind of floating in the back of my head, but birth trauma had not been something that I constantly thought about um, after, uh, you know, I would check in on her and pieces like that, but it wasn't something that I focused on. So um, fast forward to my own birth, and I won't go into too, too many details around that because actually for part of it, I can't. Um, There's currently an investigation going on with the midwifery violence that took place uh, against me during my birth. And I'm hoping that I'm at the end of that investigation. And um, I'm supposed to be hearing actually, yeah, it's been a 19 month long process. It's got the chills. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so I like I say sometimes when I'm sitting on podcasts, I'll say like the irony is not lost on me that I run an account that amplifies stories around birth trauma and, you know, the the violence that takes place, the abuse and things like that um, as being one of the causes of birth trauma. And yet I can't even speak to my own. So it's wild. It's been a wild experience. Well, um, 100%, not a coincidence in my non-professional opinion
0: that is i think that we find our purpose and we find our message through our mess mm. and that's a mess and you are you are you are giving a powerful message on your page and you're going to be able to speak about it one day and it's going to impact so many people you're already doing so much for moms but you are you have you you have the experience and now it's it's so much a deeper i would assume a much deeper fuel and and passion mm-hmm. for for what you're doing here because you've experienced yourself and I feel like that makes you even more trustworthy and relatable and moms can they know that you know where they're coming from you know and that helps too especially with something like as vulnerable and deep as birth trauma and it can just kind of spill into all areas of your life like having somebody like you that has experienced That, it just makes it more of like a safe place. And I'm sure you were very safe before that. And I'm sorry that happened to you. But I mean, it is ironic. But I also think that it's all connected and part of your story. And it's a very powerful one.
1: Yeah, and there's so much that I've learned from this experience, like there's so much I want to say, um, and that I can't, you know, my own podcast has been on hold for a year now, because I thought to myself, how can I start my own podcast about birth trauma, when I can't yet share my story in its entirety, and that's how I want to start my, my podcast, is with my story, and so um, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. It's been 19 months, um, a whole lot of not communicating with me about it. So right. I will share that piece. It's been kind of frustrating. And to me, I've also encountered what's called second, what I call secondary silencing, which is that I've been told I'm not allowed to talk about it. So not yeah, all this is secondary. done to me, but then you're told by certain systems, like you're not allowed to speak to this. Um, so it's, it's been a different book out because you made yeah. a big to do
0: about it, and not everybody that's happening, and nobody's talking about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you'll we'll come back another time together, you and I, um, to talk about my story in its entirety. Yeah. But I will say that the other piece to my story that I often talk about is the excessive postpartum hemorrhage that I had um, as a result of everything. And so, I was originally a home birth, and then moved myself after a lot of. A lot of issues moved myself to the hospital because I was worried something was was wrong, and I was right, I was running an infection for prolonged labor at home and uh, it ended up resulting in a hemorrhage that required blood transfusions and you know a near miss and so it was a rough start to motherhood. And then, you know, a couple, what was it? I think it was 12 weeks postpartum is when I started at the T on birth trauma. And I sat there. I just remember that day so distinctly, because it was Canada Day, actually. And I sat with Livy in my arms. And I was just like, we need to talk about this. Like, why aren't we talking about this more? And I know I'm not the only one feeling everything I'm feeling right now. And I just don't want any mother to ever feel alone in this like I did sitting there. Um so that's how this page was kind of born.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. That was we're gonna have to have a part two because oh my gosh, you've got you've got quite a uh, load that you're carrying there, mama. Um all right well I've got a I've got a load of questions for you. Yes. And I'm ready I want to we'll I want to get through as much as possible because I feel like this is going to be the episode that gets shared the most viewed the most, because this is, this is kind of like the thing that we're looking for information for like in silence, right? Like we want to connect with people that have experiences or have information on it, but it's kind of like not super trendy, you know,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: let's dive in. Okay. You made a post on your page about disassociation after birth trauma Can you talk about what that looks like? Because I feel like I had this with my first emergency C-section, what that looks like and how can we cope with it? How can we
1: cope with disassociation after birth traumas? Yeah, I love this question. So dissociation gets a really bad rep. Um, When we hear it, we think that it's not a coping strategy that people should be engaging in and it's unhealthy. And I'm one of the first people to call bullshit on that and essentially say that actually dissociation is a wonderful coping strategy that helps people to disconnect and essentially leave their body during really difficult moments. Because if we allowed ourselves to stay and exist within that moment, it would just completely overwhelm the system and um, it would be so much harder to recover later on. And so dissociation steps in and it looks like zoning out, disconnecting from our bodies, like daydreaming is even a form of dissociation, brain fog, memory gaps, all of these things kind of move in in those moments when our system is too overwhelmed to give us a second to breathe. And so I just, I, when I created that post, I wanted to normalize it for people because some of the, the terms that are out there seem really scary and can sometimes carry some shame attached to them. And Absolutely. so I wanted mums to know like, hey, the research even shows that three out of four people who have experienced trauma will engage in dissociation at some point. And I think that also it's like your body is working.
0: And it's working for you and it's supporting you and it's doing what it feels like is best for you. And there's nothing wrong with you.
1: No, yeah. no. Cause that message comes up so much in the birth trauma world of like my body failed me. Uh, that message of like your, ba- your, your body was made for this. You know, and I really struggle with that because I think it sets a lot of people up to fail. Um, There's a lot of circumstances that are completely out of our control and our body, like we were just speaking to, is doing the absolute best that it can. And so, um, and dissociation is one of those moments where it's, it's just stepping in to help us survive. Yeah, I
0: had this moment when they told me that I was in labor for 26 hours and, um, I was dilated nine centimeters and I had like, if any, in my head, I was like, if anybody can have a natural birth, it's me. I've been training for this. I'm fit, I'm this, I'm that, whatever. So naive, right? And I had no idea about birth trauma. I had no idea about C-sections, literally nothing going into my labor because I didn't think it was a possibility for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know why, but I just didn't, you know, and I didn't have enough support, tools, resources to know any better um it was never a conversation in any of my appointments or anything and when I was just I had been bleeding like they broke my water they gave me Pitocin they did all the things I didn't want to do I had an epidural um and they were the, the OB came in who wasn't my midwife and he was like checked me again I got a uterine infection from how many times they checked me uh, for dilation and my first daughter's head was just stuck I just wasn't she wasn't failure to progress is what I was labeled and then he told me he's like oh yeah you'll never have vaginal birth like in the future you'll never do vaginal delivery c-sections from here on out and I from I was like he goes let's prep the room for the for the emergency c-section and I was just like hello I'm here like do I get to like talk like it, and I just like I left my body and my husband was just like we just got to do what we got to do you're gonna be fine and meanwhile he's freaking out but he doesn't let me see that you know and I'm Literally, like he, I was just like, I'm so scared. And I'm just laying there and I was just like, this and I left my body. They wheeled me out and I felt so it was so odd. I had no idea what it was called that I was feeling. I'm laying in the OR, it's super bright. Got the blanket pulled up to my chest. There's 15 people in the room, students, you know, and it's just like this is so traumatizing. And that's I just and I didn't know how traumatized I was until. I had river. She healed me in so many ways. My planned C-section was so different, but I had so much postpartum anxiety and I had no idea um, until I had another postpartum experience. And um, yeah, I mean, the birth trauma thing is so deep and it just, it hits so many different parts of your life and you just don't even, you don't even realize it until you have a page like yours where like, oh yeah, I, that resonates with me, that resonates with me, that resonates with me. And people just don't get it. They just don't. And when you talk about it. And it's almost like even moms that are older, they forget what it's like to have, be a new mom and like have these things happen or it or they block it out themselves, you know,
1: like, I don't know. But yeah, no. And I, you're speaking to something that I think about so often, which is that I wish that this conversation could be normalized to the point where it really does exist during pregnancy and not to scare people. Right. Cause that's right, yeah. like the, the fear is, you know, you're running this risk of like fear mongering or scaring. No, I think that knowledge, you know, to, f- for lack of a better phrase, like knowledge is power. And that right. I, you know, I think <laughs> there isn't a woman I haven't met who has survived this that says, you know, I wish I had known this before. Yeah. I wish I could have known that this was a yeah. possibility. And I feel like that's like,
0: you see, like, even I have friends, I have so many friends that just had babies and like, you ask them how it's going and it's going so great. I'm like, there's gotta be something, you
1: know, you can
0: tell me. I'm. We, it's all
1: just cloaked in silence, motherhood. Right. Really and that's is.
0: how it's been. Like, that's how I feel like it's been like, oh, it's amazing. Oh, the baby's doing great. And then that's it. Like for me, I'm like, I must be the oddball because it was not all great. Yes, I loved being my new baby. I loved, Mm -hmm. I was so grateful. I blah, 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 blah. But it's like, and, but all these other things that nobody wanted to know. And people I feel like are uncomfortable with your trauma. And so they don't want to hear it. They don't know how to respond.
1: Um, And I feel that's a big part of it. Well, and I think in motherhood, we're strongly encouraged just to make it all like sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. And that if we don't, if we present the other side to this, then, oh, we must not love our baby, right? We must not be grateful for our, our being a mom and our experience. And it's like, no, we can hold both of these feelings. Yes. That dichotomy can exist of like, I love my baby with everything inside of me. And I hated my birth experience. And so- yeah, you I
0: two feelings at the same time, multiple feelings in the same moment, like definition of motherhood, like, that's just, there's no way around it, you can, you're just, there's so many feelings in the
1: same experience, in the same moment. Yeah, they're all allowed to exist and have a voice.
0: So if somebody is experiencing disassociation, do, how, do we cope with it, or what do, what is,
1: should we do anything about it, what would be, I think in the moment, like say in the trauma moment that I would just let someone experience that. Like I wouldn't try and push them out of that state. They're trying to create a sense of safety within their body. And so I would, I would never step in in that moment unless it was putting them in further danger. Um, But down the road, when we get home as moms and we are encountering this, uh, it can really interrupt our lives. And so there, that's when we want to have certain coping strategies and tools like Uh, grounding techniques like the five, four, three, two, one, right? So looking around your space and naming five things, five physical things, you know, four things that you uh, can touch and then there's taste and smell. And so those things really help to uh, create a sense of being in the present moment because dissociation takes us out of that and it either puts us into the past or into the future or just into like limbo land for some of us. And um, so, yeah. So grounding techniques become really important. Something as simple as even just placing your feet, your bare feet, on the ground and moving and tapping your feet and rubbing them up against, and just really being able to recognize, like the fact that you are in this moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's there's a lot of there's you know journaling, there's music, there's there's things that just take us uh, take us back and, uh, but in the actual physical moment of trauma, I wouldn't ever push somebody out of that state. Um, they're doing their best.
0: Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, my husband, I really just remember like once I came out of the C-section, uh, I couldn't move where right? i had never had a surgery in my life. And I was in so much pain because I basically had two labors. I tried to deliver vaginally and then had an emergency C-section, um, and had a fever and a, you know, an infection, all kinds of stuff. And um, my husband, (laughs) I was just like, not there. I was so out of it. I had completely checked out. I did feel like my body failed me. Couldn't nurse my baby. I didn't get the golden hour. It was like all these things that were just like a list in my head that my husband didn't know existed basically Mm -hmm. um, of things I didn't get to do. And he was like, Jesse, you need to snap out of it. Where are you? Cut. Like, it's okay. Like you're here. Every, the baby is here. And he is just like, cause he's like, I'm losing my wife, you know, something's happening. Um, but, and it did kind of like snap me out of it, uh, because I was like, I was so upset and beyond. And I didn't even know, like, you know, I had a beautiful baby. Like, what do I say? Um, so yeah, that's interesting. And it makes sense. Like, and in the real moment of when I was kind of like leaving my body, he couldn't pull me out. I was like, I was there already. Um, But that makes sense to just let people kind of navigate those feelings and just kind of watch Mm. for anything, I guess, that would be harmful to them Mm -hmm. or like it would go, I guess, too deep.
1: That makes sense. On that list you're speaking to, that list you're speaking to is so common for all of us. And it's, I find that in birth trauma, it all comes back to grief and loss is that it's a big part of it is that we're grieving all these things that we had hoped and dreamed and wished for. And yeah. we're allowed to do those things. And we're yeah. actually totally encouraged uh, throughout our pregnancy to do it. Um, and then, you know, can feel quite abandoned when they don't come to fruition mm-hmm. and, and judged for it. It's like, oh, like yeah. that's what you're upset about. And it's, yeah. that was something that really mattered to me
0: yeah, hundred percent. yeah, I did a a, a real uh, for c-section moms, and it it actually got on um, Good Morning America because it was like you're allowed to mourn mm-hmm. the birth experience you didn't get. yeah, because it does feel like you got gypped, you know, because that's how I felt for so long. Um, and I think that just that it, it's hits it hits all, right on the same cord as that you're allowed to grieve. And it does feel like a loss because. Nobody imagines having their first baby in a traumatic way of any sort. That's not how you imagine. Just like when you envision your wedding, you envision giving, having your first baby. There's no trauma there, you know? And so when that perfect dream story doesn't happen, you're like, I feel like somebody just snatched that yeah. right from me or like kick my feet out from underneath me. Yeah. And I think that leads really well into how toxic positivity and gratitude can really be weaponized. Mm-hmm. After birth trauma, how do you feel like this is? How do you feel like this is impacting new moms and even seasoned moms um, when when they experience this?
1: Mm-hmm. Recently um, on my page, I, okay, here's the thing is that whenever I throw out any topics, so on my page, every few weeks, we I'll throw four different ideas out and then people can decide what we want to chat about connected to birth trauma. And every single time I offer toxic positivity, it's like a clean sweep is that that's always what people wanna speak to because there's so many examples of it. And so to bring this up is that just a few weeks ago when I did it and I did the poll of have you experienced toxic positivity, just that one question, 99% of my followers had. And when I broke down the number and looked to see how many people had actually voted, that was over 4,500 people and so to me that just speaks volumes about how toxic positivity is running rampant in the motherhood community to begin with but then we really see it show up in birth trauma with the statements of like at least you know at least you're healthy now at least baby is healthy that's one of the biggest statements that we hear um you know you should count your blessings i was told this recently um By somebody who wasn't too impressed with the fact that I had created this post around toxic positivity being used, you know, weaponized essentially, like around gratitude, like you just spoke to. And somebody commented on my page and just, went after me and said like how dare you speak to this and you know it's basically our job as mothers to be grateful and there's nothing being weaponized about this and welcome to social media i know and then she ended it with and the irony in this right she ended it with the statement and you should just count your blessings. And I'm like, bingo. There's an example of toxic positivity where we're only allowed to experience the positive connection, like emotions connected to this versus like the many different challenging experiences that we can have.
0: Yeah. Gosh, it's so wild. And it does. It makes it, it, that toxic positivity. And I feel like it's coming from a place that people don't know how to handle your trauma or anything that's uncomfortable for them. And it's really more about them. It's like, that's not a safe friend to like hold space for all of your experiences. Um, And like, that's for me, that's what that tells me about that friend or about that person or whatever. Um, Like, and I've had this with friends and family trying to explain, and then you just feel like a broken record. And then you're like, maybe it's not birth trauma. Maybe, maybe I'm the problem, you know, because you're like, why aren't they getting it, you know, and it can be so frustrating. Um, But yeah, it's just wild. And I, and I do think that a lot of people are trying to be helpful and to Mm -hmm. make lemonade out of lemons, but it's like, you can have lemonade and you can have lemons at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like that mom is grateful for her baby. She's been waiting nine months and likely much longer than that to meet this baby but it still means like her experience matters. Your birth experience, there's a huge transformation that happens when you go from pregnant to new mom, like you're in a different season of life. And that's a huge transition. It would be, it would be abnormal if I feel like everything went perfectly smoothly and all you were was grateful, you know, because that's just not the reality for most moms hey sister let's talk about skincare that really works and doesn't leave you feeling like you've got buyer's remorse i'm talking about dime beauty these products are made from clean ingredients are vegan cruelty free and contain no harsh chemicals dime products are also ranked between a one and a three on the ewg toxicity scale As i'm sure you already know or have heard fragrances can be harmful to the skin and clog your pores so of course dime beauty products are fragrance free which i totally appreciate my favorites are the mascara hyper glow vitamin c serum and the tbt serum it's honestly the best clean mascara i've ever used and trust me i've tried them all Dime Beauty is a budget-friendly, vegan, and cruelty-free option for fantastic skincare. Their packaging is glass, making them eco-friendly, and they offer returns up to 60 days, as well as free shipping on U.S. orders over $49. And you can use my code TRUELOVE20 at checkout to save 20% on everything, including bundles. That's code TRUELOVE20 at checkout. T-R-U-E-L-O-V-E-2-0 at checkout. Now, let's get back to the show. If we want to steer clear of toxic positivity, I feel like we're allowed to be happy and be you know all these things. But instead of trying to show a mom what she should be grateful for or to count which blessings she has, what are questions that we can ask our newly postpartum friends? What is the most helpful for moms that have experienced birth trauma, or maybe we don't know? Maybe we just want to create a safe place for them to feel like they can offload it to us or talk about it or share because I feel like that's what I needed. I needed somebody to like spill it to, but I didn't know who and I didn't know when. Um, So I don't know.
1: Does that? Yeah, it does. I think uh, to me, the go-to question should be, how is your birth experience? Yeah. So, because usually the go-to question is, how's baby? Right. Yeah. And so instead I, baby's fine. <laughs> right. Unless something happened to baby. Right. Then we would ask that question. But if we know that baby's fine, I think we need to switch the attention to mom and yeah. just say like, how was your birth experience? Because a, it gives her an opportunity that if she wants to speak to um, the birth trauma, she can, cause you've opened that door. But if she's not ready, you know, it still gave her permission to, you know, to to speak to it if she really wanted to. So I think that we need to just start with the basics of how was your birth experience? And then if the story starts to unfold and we're noticing that it is birth trauma related and that they've had a really difficult experience saying things like, that sounds really scary. That sounds really hard. Are you okay? Is there anything that I can do for you? What do you need? and that's it and then just listen we don't have to problem solve we don't have to fix things we don't have to compare stories we don't have to say oh well mine was like this we can actually just like sit and hold space for people because I think that's sometimes where our good intentions get us into hot water is where we feel like we have to start problem solving and fixing for others and we don't like one of the most powerful gifts that you can give a survivor is just to listen into their experience and really listen and engage and hold space that's it yeah um, so to me it's like the basics of communication yeah. and being a good friend or a good family member to somebody else
0: yeah totally um that kind of leads me into because you mentioned something where you don't have to share your story mm mm-hmm. Is there a time, because this is, I feel like I personally struggle with this. I get so many DMs about this or that, about birth stories, about pelvic health. You know, I'm in the women's pelvic health field. And so I get so many stories. And I feel like they share it with me because I've shared my story. So they can, we connect on on that level. But also like in our, in my DMs, I will go into like, you know, I know how I, or like, I can relate to this because this happened to me too, or whatever. You're not alone in this. Is that helpful? Or is it not helpful? Because I don't want to like, take away from their experience. And I feel like a lot of people can resonate with this because they want to share Like, I feel like moms are always blabbing their birth stories, like good or bad. Like whether it's like somebody is pregnant and when someone's pregnant, they're like, don't tell me any bad birth stories. Like we're trying to let you know, girlfriend, that this could happen, you know, or whatever. But, and I feel like we're just, I think mom's women just connect immediately. Like if you get a room of women together, they want to talk about how they birth their babies. Like that, it just happens or how they breastfed or how they fed their baby or whatever, you know? And so like, when is it okay to share that? Is it, is it when you connect with somebody because you have a shared experience and does it take away from them? Would um, add I, think to it.
1: I think it's such an individual experience. So I can't give you like a really clear answer on it. I this. want a really clear answer. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're reminding me of all my clients in my session, right? Where it's like, come on, just tell me the answer to this. Yeah. So i fix it. And it's like, I think we really, if we're really present with the other person in the space, we'll be able to gauge that. So like, if you, you know, listen to their story first, especially if this is birth trauma related, try not to interject or interrupt or say like, oh, like, uh, this is how I connect to you. Wait, wait, then say it. Okay. So I think when that's hard, I know it's so hard because we get excited, especially when it's our friends. We're like, this is that I'm totally that person, Jesse. So I can appreciate it. Okay. So like, I, I get like, Oh, I just want to connect with you. Like, let me tell you how I can relate. And so I've learned over the years to just breathe. Right. I'm not going to forget what I'm about to say. I can come (laughs) It and that if you see the person is really struggling in in front of you to just like hold that space, then come back and say, like, you know, there were parts of your story I just want you to know I connect with and that I can relate to. And like, if you want, I can tell you about those parts. Like, ask them, ask them, like, do you want to hear about the connection that I have to you? Because they may not, like, sometimes in those moments they're so overwhelmed because they're in the thick of it that they really only want to know their story. And then other times they really are like, oh, please tell me I'm not alone, right? Yeah. Tell me every detail of yours so I don't feel like an alien. And so I think it's just watching the cues of the people in front of us. And we don't have to be therapists to do that, especially if they're good friends of ours. then like We know moments when we're like, oh, okay, I need to close my mouth. Mm-hmm. And then there are moments where it's like, oh, this I can connect here. Yeah, that's such an easy way, just ask. Yeah.
0: Ask if they want to (laughs) know.
1: That's like
0: so smart. Um, Yeah. So still obviously on the path of trauma, but kind of switching gears to more of um, partner relationships. Can you explain why sex and intimacy can be more triggering or tricky postpartum when birth trauma is present and how Explain that and then like how can we navigate this with our partner if if it is triggering? Yeah.
1: Oh, this topic. Um do we have another hour? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no. <laughs> um this topic, um we do we don't talk enough about. And I think it's because sex and intimacy are very private, hence the word intimacy, right? It's supposed to be between two people and uh, or more, depending on what their relationships are like. But it's it's usually confined behind doors. And so uh, I totally understand why people get apprehensive talking about it. And there's so much shame, guilt, self-blame and secrecy that goes into the impacts that birth trauma have on sex and intimacy. And it leaves a lot of survivors feeling completely alone and isolated in it and then unable to talk to their partners about it because they feel shame around thinking I must be the only one experiencing this and so when I talk about it on my page it's really interesting because everyone will want to physically talk about it when they know I'm going to be erasing names for confidentiality purposes but say when I actually physically post about it it is one of those things that gets the least amount of likes despite the fact that I know most people are struggling with it. And it's because they don't want to admit that they are. They think, oh, it's a reflection of my love for my partner if we're not having sex all the time right after having a baby. And it's like, no, it speaks to the impact of trauma. And so our bodies are at the focal point of giving birth. And the focal point of birth trauma. And so when it ends in that way, we feel that disconnect, like we were talking about before. Um, we feel like, you know, there's a lot of physical pain that's also attached to this, too. And so for myself, it ended up resulting in an episiotomy and forceps. And so the recovery time was so long for that. Um, and I was in a great deal of pain, and also because of the amount of unconsented cervical checks that were done on me, I also did not want to be touched. Right. right? I felt like my body had been violated. Right. And I didn't want anyone touching me at besides my baby. And so that became a really complex relationship that I had to navigate that first year postpartum, where it was like, my partner was incredible in so many different ways. And This was another way he did that for me, was that he understood that this was not about him. And so he really ensured not to personalize it, but knew that it was because of the midwifery violence, that it was because of the physical challenges that I was dealing with, because of pushing for five and a half hours, right? And then resulting in that episiotomy and forceps and a hemorrhage, like my body was busted, it was broken, and it needed time to feel safe again that's that's a big part of birth trauma is that we disconnect from our bodies, but we also disconnect from a sense of safety. Right. And so sex and intimacy takes a hit for that reason. And I just really want to normalize to the people listening that this is, if this is you, it's okay. You're not alone. And the two of you will make it through this, but it does require a great deal of communication.
0: Yeah. Is this like a sit down conversation with your partner? Like, not in the moment because that could end like very with hurt feelings and all of that so I guess it would just have to be like a separate conversation and for me because I don't know I just feel like I couldn't have that conversation and I feel like moms have more than just like the birth trauma too like if you're breastfeeding your Mm -hmm. vaginal tissues are thinner drier and I like I felt like I was broken you know And I was like, why don't I, why don't I want to have sex? And it's, it's so interwoven. There's so many things that, and I feel like that's the information that, that you should be getting in those videos that you have to watch before you leave the hospital, you know? It's like so many things are going to change and it's for a reason and there's
1: nothing wrong with you. Um, Well, we need to stop giving the message around. I really struggled with the six week checkup uh, for, you don't have time to dive into that. But one of the reasons is that because of this idea of like, oh, six weeks and you're clear to have sex. Can we just stop? With that yeah. message, because it's such an individual experience, and it puts all of these unfair expectations pressure on women. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. all about the yeah. husband. Yeah, like like, that. <laughs> like If men were pushing babies out
0: of their penis, we would yeah. be having a different <laughs> conversation. It would be it's so different it, it would so be true. different. There would be no sex for six months. Yeah, <laughs> it would be longer. Months.
1: Yeah. yeah, and there so would think- be a lot more checkups going on. <laughs> So I think that if we normalize that and took away that idea of like, oh, you're good to go after six weeks, like that that's a magical number and instead just evaporated that and needed a case by case really unique situation um, that people might even have sex sooner because they feel less pressure and expectation around it. And so going back to like kind of your question with what do they do for one another is that, yeah, it is a sit down conversation. And I always say to the couples that I work with, or when I'm teaching people how to have difficult conversations, is that I say like, do not have it in the moment because no one will listen, your defenses get up and um, you kind of shut down. And so on a day when actually things are really great and say like, Hey, can we have this really hard conversation? And by starting out, explaining your intentions or not to hurt them or not to make them feel a specific way or blame them, but just to have this really vulnerable conversation together. Um, It's going to benefit your relationship big time if you do that. Right. Yeah, instead of just like avoiding it or kind of pushing through, Mm -hmm. which
0: can just add layers to the trauma. Um, So (laughs) I work with a lot of C-section moms and usually the first time that they kind of actualize their birth trauma is through my C-section scar protocols. They have a lot of feelings come up, a lot of emotions come up when they start to do my protocols. And I have a whole intro video that explains what could happen. This could be a this could be a very emotional um, process and you might have these emotions come up. They're all valid. You just move through them at your own pace, um, all of these things. And the same thing with, with my vaginal delivery moms that have scar tissue and they need to work through the scar tissue for pelvic health reasons what, and and that can be the same thing. They realize, okay, this makes me feel a certain type of way to touch my scar tissue Mm -hmm. on my uh, vagina because I had tearing or I had, you know, some type of birth trauma, or it could even be sexual trauma. It could be totally unrelated to the birth experience. Um, but with birth trauma in our, in our sites here, what are some exercises that we can start doing to digest our story in a healthy way? Usually I will just say like, for me, I wrote my birth story to help me kind of digest and process what my view of my birth experience was. So I can start to give it new meaning, kind of reprocess it and and give it a meaning for me to kind of move forward because I don't think that all of our All of the stories that we tell ourselves, or that all of these emotions—they might not serve us long-term. So, being able to reprocess these stories can give us a new kind of focus and a new outlook. And you know, that's—you know—I'm not a therapist, but
1: what are some (laughs) exercises that I think it's beautiful what you just said, Jesse? So, like, again, kind of even going back to me saying like, you don't have to be a therapist in order to engage in these skills and you're touching on um, last year, I created a workshop that I called reclaiming your story after birth trauma. Mm -hmm. And so one of the modalities that I use as a therapist is what's called narrative therapy. And that's like the heart that is the heart and soul of who I am. So even though I practice EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is like the most common way to help somebody to process trauma. Um, Even though I do that, I'm still a narrative therapist at heart. And what that means is that we really need to separate the person from the problem and so narrative therapy's motto is the problem is the problem the person is not the problem and so we help people to externalize and separate themselves from their birth trauma to see themselves as like who they either always were or how they've transformed into somebody new but that they are not the problem that you know those those symptoms that are appearing are not because they did something wrong or they you know didn't deserve a good birth experience it's because Birth trauma created these symptoms inside of them that they're trying to navigate, and so essentially in this workshop, I teach people how to rewrite their stories, and that so and it's not with sunshine and rainbows and unicorns like going back to toxic positivity. It's about seeing ourselves differently within the stories because what I hear from people when they step outside of birth trauma is like I failed. Um, I couldn't do anything right. I'm going to be a terrible parent. Look, I failed at giving birth. I'm going to fail at being a parent, like all of these really negative messages that are starting to shape the relationship that they have with themselves, with their partner and with their baby. And so if we can get in front of that and make them see like, how incredible they are and how incredible their bodies were at trying to protect them and baby and that's why that fight flight free system kicked in and why certain trauma symptoms came and resulted was because they were doing the best that they could and so it's really about helping them to just reshape who they are within those stories And it's such a healing process when people can do that. And EMDR does that. Like there's certain parts of EMDR where by the end of it, you have such a different understanding of the initial experience. You're able to see yourself differently within it. So um, yeah, no, a story is so powerful. It's so impactful. And if we can move away from seeing ourselves as like the villain within it, and instead as like this warrior who fought so hard to get their baby here, um, that is such a huge shift for mental health. Absolutely. So, so we're on the right track right? Yeah. down. Our yeah. Yeah.
0: That's amazing.
1: And we yeah. are going to have to talk again because with you bringing up C-section and I know this was something we were hoping to touch on today is like also C-section awareness. Um, I'm also trying to move away from actually calling it this cesarean births right? Um, That awareness starts in April. And so last year, I did a post that blew up on my page, which is 73% of people with cesarean births experience trauma symptoms as a result. And that whole community felt so seen, because the messages around cesareans are like, oh, that was the easy way out. I literally got shamed so hard by a birth
0: doula. That's why I started being really outspoken about c-sections because during my second pregnancy, I said on social media that I was having a planned C-section. She literally came for me for the business I was working for at the time, all over like my my page, and like you took the easy way out and you think you're above labor. I'm like, you are a birth support person. You are dangerous to mothers. Like why did you choose this field if this is how you're choosing to support moms like you are literally shaming a pregnant mom on the internet because because why and it's like just wild because I know she's not the only one and every time I share about it too it's like people get all of these comments from mothers from their mother from their friends it's like people just word vomit all of these terrible things about c-section moms and it's like
1: it's- I would love, Jesse for those people to come sit in my office for one day, because the stories that I hear from cesarean birth survivors on the impact are incredible. This is not, like, I am a vaginal birth, okay? So this, I am not speaking from experience. I am speaking from professional experience and the, the, the stories I've witnessed. And this is not the easy way out they are left, 73% of them are left trauma symptoms that even result in PTSD. And so like there is a total stripping of power that takes place. There are seven layers of tissue being cut into. This is a serious surgery. They're being left alone. A lot of them like during that surgery didn't have their partners there were put under miss the birth of their kids like the list goes on and on. I have so much to say about this and yet it doesn't even directly impact me. And so because I sit across from these women who feel like they have failed because of the messages that society gives them and like they didn't do this right and first of all this was not a choice and even if it is a choice down the road because of the birth before that we should not be shaming people for the decisions that they're making we don't know their story we don't know where we're multifaceted at. you have no idea it's yeah. like just wild yeah. yeah no we both have a lot to say about this and coming at it from different lenses too yeah. you have the actual lived experience and then I have the clinical experience and the research to back me it's so helpful the- to have both.
0: you know it's so helpful to hear it so we are I know you have another you're just so busy spreading the message about birth trauma you've got to go but I'm you I'm you got to schedule another one so we can yeah do we'll do it again okay Tila yeah. thank you so much I feel like I know you. I feel like I want to. I just want to <laughs> hug you. I know. I'm from Canada. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on here and unwrapping partially the onion of birth trauma and all the layers. You've given me such a much more wider vet, uh, lens on birth trauma and how it can impact. And your page does such a beautiful job of that, putting words and validation to these feelings that moms are experiencing that they cannot verbalize. Um, And just thank you so much for doing that. You're doing really, really important work. And um, I'm just, I'm really glad that I had you on and that you, we worked out our our schedules to do this. And I hope that you come back because I've got more questions for you.
1: And I appreciate you so much. Oh Jesse, thank you so much for having me on. And just a quick note to anybody who's listening to this first episode is that you can heal from this. So if you're listening to this and you know you're fresh into birth trauma and it's feeling really dark and like there's no way out, uh, next time Jesse has me on, I'll also talk about that, like the different ways to heal from this, because I I think we sometimes forget about that message too, that it's possible. And so yeah. I can't wait to come back on. Amazing. Okay, Tila, I will talk to you soon.
0: Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the daily mom trip podcast. If you did be sure to subscribe also before you go, I would love you forever. If you could rate and review this podcast, share with a mom friend or on social media and be sure to tag me at move with true love and at daily mom pod on Instagram. Again, thank you so much for listening and I will see you soon.